Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 weekday evenings on fm 101.5 and am 1400 the patriot it's six o'clock talk with daryl wood host daryl wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion constitutionalism and thought-provoking analysis join the conversation six o'clock talk with daryl wood a daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else tune in to six o'clock talk with daryl wood on fm 101.5 and am 1400 the patriot or stream at patriotdetroit.com you are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we'll be interviewing Jeannie Weiner. She's with the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. They're doing a uh, an, an Antiques Roadshow-type program called Jewish Heirloom Roadshow. That's going to be on December the 4th, and we'll be talking about that. The half, second half hour of the show, will be zooming in on the portion of Vayetze, this week's Torah portion, which can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 25 and following. There is wonderful Jewish music scattered throughout the show, a dynamic Hasidic story. And before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. A 16-year-old yeshiva student was killed and 22 others wounded, some seriously from bombs that were detonated at two bus stops in Jerusalem. The police believe that it was they were detonated remotely and are looking for perpetrators. No one has claimed responsibility. The Palestinian Authority has cheered this display of terrorism. One Palestinian was killed and four others wounded in a gun battle with IDF forces near Jenin. IDF soldiers prevented a car bombing in central Israel when they put out a car fire. Inside the car were explosives and other bomb-making material. In other news, the New York Police Department arrested two men after posting on social media that they might shoot up a synagogue and die, quote-unquote. Romania, which we played that song last week, if you want to listen to that, that's a great song, passed a bill guaranteeing, that's the country of Romania, passed a bill guaranteeing that Jewish ritual slaughter, shechita, will always be legal. This is in contrast to other EU members who have banned kosher slaughter. 
Aliyah, immigration to Israel, is up by a third since last year. Leading the way are Jews moving from Russia. 32,000 Jews came this year to Israel compared to 7,000 last year. And finally, in the sport, Israel is not in the World Cup going on in Qatar, but while the world's eyes are focused on Qatar and the World Cup soccer match, Jerusalem is holding the World Cup of chess. Yes! Teams from 12 countries are vying for the world title. And we'll give you the results on that next week when they finish. And that's the news. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have Ms. Jeannie Weiner, who is the president of the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. We're going to be talking about a show, program they're putting on this next coming week called the Jewish Heirloom Roadshow. How are you, Jeannie? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thank you for taking some of your time and telling us about it. Okay, so before we get into the actual program, there are a lot of people listening that are probably not familiar with the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. Could you tell us a little, could you give us like the history of the Jewish Historical Society? <laughs> the history of the history. Yes. I would be happy to. Um, the Jewish Historical Society might be well known to most Detroiters because we've been around for 62 years. We were founded in 1959 by a group of mostly men who were very concerned about um, what they viewed as the um, inability of people to connect or remember their history. And they wanted very much to preserve the Jewish history of the Detroit area, the, the Detroit metropolitan area. And, of course, that's what we still do today. Our mission hasn't changed from then. It was a, a small grassroots organization that grew. Uh, now we have almost a thousand members, and we have a board of directors and an executive director who is um, a historian. And so uh, we still do the same work, but we just do it in a larger, more impactful way. Okay. Did its inception come about in response to anything with the stuff going around that said, you know, we really need to, like, focus in on our past, Julie? I, I don't think so. Um, and looking back at the original history, I don't recall that to be true. It certainly is possible. Um, but it, it was a group of uh, scholarly people, writers and journalists, and they just felt that, that the preservation of history was being lost no one was doing it, 
and um, they wanted to form a, a historic society. And since that time, we have now become the Michigan Jewish Historical Society. We cover Jewish history from throughout the state, so we're really busy and um, and enjoying it. Okay, so what type of things has the Jewish Historical Society done over the last six decades? What are, what are, we, what are you doing? Okay, well, one of the things that has been consistent is that we have produced an academic scholarly journal. Uh, we, take, we take all kinds of historical articles, even including um, poetry and mem- memorabilia and, and memorializing those of us uh, in the Jewish community have, who have passed away and put it in a journal. Um, we go back with this journal a long time, and its its articles have been used um, throughout the United States as reference reference materials. And we do um, provide this journal for every member, free, who comes with the membership. And that has been something that's been done all along. Um, then later, uh, after the establishment. Uh, of a few years, we began doing lectures and tours, bus tours eventually, and uh, tours for uh, kids in Hebrew schools. Uh, We developed a school curriculum that we used up until COVID when, of course, things stopped. And um, we, we have not yet begun that Again, but you know we are hoping to do something like that in the future again with with young people okay. taking uh, 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 taking them on to places in Detroit and after they have in the classroom learned the uh, history of Jews in in Michigan. Um, but we just completed a bus tour to Mount Clemens, which was sold out. I think people were very anxious to get back into. Uh, personally looking at being in the places that had Jewish history, and there's still a synagogue there, so we we um, we went there, and then we went to the cemetery there and, um, and talked about Jewish history in Mount Clemens. So we are about talking about the stories of, of Jews. We also have um, uh, on our website the Michigan... Uh, women who have made a difference, and we are preserving the stories of our Jewish women, which um, is hard to do sometimes because the stories of women are sometimes lost and forgotten. Uh, and um, so we're, we're very concerned with preserving and saving those stories as well. Mm-hmm. Has there, our guest today is Julie Wiener. She's with the, Michigan, the uh, Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. Has there ever been a brick and mortar for the Jewish historical Messiah? Because, like, for exhibits and housing of uh, of relics and things like that. Well, um, for for a long time, we did have an office in the Jewish Center on Maple and Drake, and until COVID, uh, when it was n- not possible to even get in the building for a while, and uh, we so we don't have the brick and mortar now. We certainly plan to return to it, and there are hopes that at some point in the future we will be able to have a Michigan Jewish History Museum, 
and therefore would be able to really have a place that would attract tourists of all ilks from everywhere and and a place to um, provide scholarly lectures and exhibits and so on. So it's it's um, on the horizon, but not at the moment. But um, a first step toward that is an exhibit that we will be doing at the Detroit Historical Museum uh, a year from April. And um, we are beginning to collect objects for that exhibit. Mm -hmm. Is the uh, road show that's being uh, coming up this next week, is that sort of like a precursor to it, not like a way of getting such Exactly, okay. exactly. The idea of um, sort of mimicking the Antiques Roadshow on television was really exciting to us. It's, it's never been done, as far as I know, certainly for this purpose. And we, uh, we were lucky to get the Hawk location, which is the former Harrison High School in Farmington Hills uh, as a really nice new facility, and we are going to be having a, a, a mock road show there on December 4th, late in the afternoon from 3 to 5, and we're asking people to bring objects or papers or memorabilia uh, that we would be able to use in this exhibit uh, at the Detroit Historical Museum in a year or so. So we're we're not going to be keeping them. We're going to be borrowing them for the exhibit. And the roadshow concept is not to do an appraisal of these items, uh, but rather to evaluate them for their historic relevance. Are they indeed um, of an age that we would be able to use for the exhibit? So there will be a lot of things happening that day, and I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be fun for for everybody, whether they have something to bring or they just want to come and see what other people are bringing. Okay, so what kind of things are you looking for? And even probably more important is what type of things are you definitely not looking for? Okay, well, um, we're going to be concentrating in the exhibit when we uh, develop it from the years of 1880 till about 1930. And so we really don't want your memorabilia from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on. Um, maybe there'll be a place for that at a later date, but that, this exhibit is going back to uh, the area and time of Hastings Street, which was the um, really first neighborhood, real neighborhood in Detroit uh, that was a Jewish neighborhood. Uh, it's, it uh, was a neighborhood full of immigrants, uh, Jewish and not Jewish, but eventually a lot of Jewish folks from primarily Eastern Europe. And it was a, a very diverse and mixed neighborhood. Um, and these were the years of highest immigration, right? Right before World War One, and then following World War One for a few years, and and so we're looking for everyday items that possibly people have from their grandparents, great grandparents, parents perhaps, depending on their age. Um, things like uh, clothing that they might have saved, a, a wedding dress, 
um, we, what we would love would be an apron or or everyday items that are used in the kitchen, like rolling pins and so on, um, because we'd like to depict there in the museum everyday life from those periods. Uh, but it, we know that it's not going to be easy to necessarily get those items. We're also looking for Judaica and jewelry, um, anyone who had any memorabilia from World War I, uh, because of, that took place between 1914 and 1918. It's a time frame we're looking for. Letters, um, passports, ship manifests, um, toys, games, that sort of, that sort of item. Uh-huh. We do have uh, a few things we've gotten already. Let me, let me just uh, let me just ask you real quick because I'm thinking when mm-hmm, going sure. on. It's not that it's it's in my possession, and it's not nothing really to do with Detroit because my parent grandparents wound up in Newark. But mm-hmm. one of the few things that my grandmother had that was like sort of passed down that she brought back from, she brought with her from Poland was a chinik a it was just a teapot. <laughs> And it was like everybody knew this was Bubby's teapot. And I'm, I think maybe a cousin of mine has Bubby's teapot. Is that the kind of thing you're looking for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody has uh, told us that they have a complete set of dishes from that time frame, the grandparents' dishes. So I would love to see. We, we haven't begun to fabricate the exhibit at all, but wouldn't it be lovely to to walk into that exhibit at the at the museum in Detroit and see uh, a setting of a Shabbos table or a Pesach Seder table and complete with with everything from that period that we might have seen had we walked into a home in Hastings Street in 1920, for instance. Um, some people are collectors, and they may have collected old shaving kits or old medicine bottles. Um, those are the kinds of things that we would be delighted to to borrow if we could. Um, and certainly a teapot <laughs> would be lovely. Okay. So we, I, I get all the time, we have a library at Jewish Ferndale, and people say, do we, do, we have these Jewish books, do you want? And we have a limited amount of space, and we have to be very selective. One of the things that we get asked weekly is I have my Zeta's Machzer. I have my my grandfather's Rosh Hashanah prayer book Mm -hmm. from like 19-oh-something. Do you want this, Rabbi? Absolutely, we would love that. There's going to be someone there at the road show looking at books, looking at books and and documents. So um, we would love that sort of thing. Absolutely. Now, whether we can help these people if they don't want to, if they don't want to keep them if they want to do something else with them that's a different situation we'd have to you know talk to the experts and and even people like you as to what would be the proper thing to do with those books but um we we would be delighted to to have books in fact i have my uh, husband's uh, I think it was his grandfather's. I have a, an, a, an old book that w- is a fiction um, that has got a beautiful uh, front cover. So I'm going to bring that. And what people get to do 
is we're going to have a photographer there all set up, and she's going to take a picture of everybody with what they've brought. And uh, so it's a keepsake of the day, a keepsake of your keepsakes. And, and I think it's just going to be a joyous celebration of history. Okay. Now, so the question that's running through my head, really, like just flowing with questions over here is, okay, I'm an import. We only live in Detroit for 35 years. I do mm-hmm. have stuff from that era, but it was never in Detroit, but it's a book which was published in Poland and was brought to this country, like my Zeta's five-volume Chomish, for example, that is uh, five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. Can, can I bring that, even though it has sure, nothing to do with sure, Detroit? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What, of course, we're looking for is the, um, the the people who lived here and what they had. That would be our preference. But obviously, that's a long time ago, and I am like you. I'm not born and bred in Detroit. I'm from the Southwest, and I'm a new newbie. I've only been here 52 years. So <laughs> um, I, I understand that, that people do have their keepsakes um, that are from that time frame, but not necessarily from Hastings Street. But, but, and those, that's what we really prefer to get, but I'd love to look at, we would love to look at what you'd have to bring to. Okay, wonderful. So I saw in the, uh, in the, the flyer that you had a couple of relatives. What type of things do you already have, Jeannie? Okay, well, we have a doll from B. Siegel. We have, although I don't think it's going to be there uh, because the lady who owns it is out of town that day, but she has a trunk, the original trunk that her family came to Detroit with, with all of the um, shipping labels and everything still on it. So that we we don't have in our possession, but we will. We have um, some costumes some clothing from the Detroit Historical Museum, and we have um, Rabbi Franklin's glasses and a, and a winter hat uh, with side flaps that he wore. And, of course, Rabbi Franklin was the rabbi from Temple Beth El, whose uh, temple building is going to be celebrated as being for being 100 years old, uh, this year, so that's that's Rabbi Franklin was somebody that was very beloved in uh, Detroit and came from that time period. Uh, we also happen to have something from Soupy Sales, only just because our executive director and other people, when they saw it, said, "Oh, this is so much fun! We just have to have it there, even though it's not appropriate to the period." <laughs> but people will enjoy seeing it, even though it, Soupy Sales was uh, a comedian from much, much later. Um, so we have, we do have things, um, and we have some Judaica that people have have mentioned that they have. We have something from. Um, the um, David Horaducker Lansman's group, uh, an, a trophy that was found up north, and we, Roz Blank, who's the president of the Horaducker, um, received a phone call. This sounds like maybe it's something that you might know about, and sure enough, it was a it was a trophy that had been awarded to some group at the Horaduckers, and she's going to bring that and 
and many, many of the Hardecker Society um, members settled in Hastings Street, settled in Detroit in those years. So that's going to really be fun to have that. Okay, interesting. Um, unlike the Antique Row Show, which most people watch Antique Row Show because they want to try and guess how much is that thing worth, you're, right. you're, you're not going to be monetizing. Monetizing. Is that the word monetizing? Monetizing. Monetizing, no. yes. No, exactly. We won't, we won't, won't be having um, appraisal work done. We're not, we're not a, about to tell you what this is worth. What it's worth to you and what it's worth to us is its historic value. And so what we're going to be really having our experts do is to look at the age of, um, or the approximate age of your item. If it's clearly from 1980, it's lovely, but it's not for us. Um, and then we'll be recording what these things are and the names of the people who have them. And when we do get to the point where we're putting the exhibit together, we'll be contacting people. Mm-hmm. So, how many how many items are you looking for for your exhibit at the? Uh, Detroit. Uh, oh, at the at the uh, museum. Right. You know, I don't even know. Um, I I am not the person who's the the exhibit expert. I'm just excited that we're go- we were given the space and that we're going to be doing it. We've got a whole committee that that will be put together and that's going to actually work on um, preparing the exhibit, and it'll be done with some expertise, which is not my expertise. But as many articles as possible, uh, we have 1,700 square feet. So we have the opportunity of really developing a a very special exhibit, which is what we intend to do. Okay, so run us through, uh, give some particulars, the... um the Jewish Heirloom Roadshow is going to be December 4th at The right. Hawk, which is on 12 Mile between Middle Belt and um, Orchard Lake. And Correct. it's between 3 and 5. Uh, so, okay, so now I show up at The Hawk at 3 o'clock. Is there an admission? Do I have to pay something? No, uh, there's no admission. There'll be um, a registration. We'll take your name and uh, your object and then you'll go into the room, which is a very large room, and uh, depending on what object you have, if it's a document, you'll go to the document expert. If it's a um, military, something to do with a military memorabilia, you'll go to that expert. If it's Judaica, you'll go to that expert. And um, maybe have to stand in line, uh, and then there's an opportunity in the room to ha- to be photographed, and we're going to have also um, a master, a mistress of ceremonies, who will be um, highlighting some of the objects that are coming in. So if if your object is of pr- particular interest and and unique, or um, really extraordinary or lovely. Uh, or has a very interesting family history about it, then um, the someone at that table will escort you up to the mistress of ceremonies who will interview you, and other people in the room can find out what's happening at all the tables and, and listen to these particularly interesting stories. Mm-hmm. So there will be... Um, people speaking off and on during the day about some of the objects that have come through. Okay, what if I just want to come as a spectator? 
absolutely fine. We are absolutely anybody is welcome. It's free, and um, if you're just interested in history and want to see what a historic Jewish Historical Society Roadshow <laughs> looks like, you're welcome to come. Absolutely. Okay, let's have Jeannie Weiner from the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. Do you have a website people can refer to for references and information? Uh, yes, it's in fact anybody can just Google Jewish Historical Society of Michigan and it'll come right up. It's um, I've got it in front of me. I don't think it's it's um, J Mish History dot org. Okay, cool. That's thank. That's been wonderful. This has been this is really exciting, and uh, I hope my wife and, and I are um, for it. if you happen, Rabbi, if you happen to be out of town on December fourth. We're doing a second one at the same spot on April. It's also a Sunday, April 30th, after Pesach. Right after Pesach. So we're hoping if we don't get all of the objects we need this first time, we're going to do another round. So um, if you think that, oh gosh, I have something in my basement that would be wonderful, but I'm not able to be there, then mark down April 30th for your your uh, second chance. Okay, wonderful. That's going to do it. Our guest has been Jeannie Weiner from the Jewish Historical Society of Michigan. They're doing a Jewish heirloom road show on December the 4th at the Hawk in Farmington. You can refer to their website and for more information. And uh, we want to wish you uh, lots of uh, success with this and keep us uh, apprised of future thank developments. Thank you, Jeannie. and we will. And, and thank you for highlighting this, and I'd love to see you there that day. It may actually just happen. Anyway. Good. Thanks. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Sure. Okay. Bye-bye. We're, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We got some new music for you. This song is called Helm. Okay. Can can you say Helm? Can you do that? No, she's shaking her head. No, my board up. My trusty Lindsay, my trusty board up, is not even going to try to go. They call it the kitty furball noise. Helm. Helm is the name of a city in Poland. And uh, there's different lore. We actually had, a couple of years ago, we had Zalman Goldstein who wrote a uh, treasury of helm stories and there's different uh, folklore as to how the the stories came about but the city of helm was actually filled with quite erudite scholars and the stories come about that they come up with all kinds of things which are really totally preposterous like the one that falls into my head is is there they people love the snow before anybody walked on it it's like really beautiful have the snow with no footprints on it but what had to happen is every morning you had the guy, who, the beetle, who woke everybody up to come to prayers, and he would leave footprints in the snow. So you figured, what are we going to do to keep it from him getting his footprints in the snow? So they decided they're going to get four guys to carry him. So that kind of stuff. So anyway, so this is West Rogers Park, and they've written this song called Helm. Run. 
know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813, that's 800-603-1813, or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Eric Schultzman here, you're listening to The Jewish Hour. Up next is a Yiddish classic, it's called Papa Roysen, which is uh, Yiddish and probably Polish Slavic for cigarettes. And there are words to it, but this version does not. There's two versions of it. One's like a very sad, pensive version about how this person is reduced that he has to sell cigarettes for a living. This one's sort of like upbeat and more uh, lively, and that's the one we're doing. The group is called Klezmer Juice. They are a new Klezmer organization coming out of Santa Monica, California. So let's listen.
Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Herschelson in here, listening to the Jewish Hour. This month, the month of Kislev, which we just starting, contains in it the holiday of Hanukkah. So it would be very appropriate then to play some Hanukkah music. And we're not just going to play some boring, I have a little drain. No, we're not going to do that. We have, for your listening pleasure, this is a Moroccan piece, and it's specifically from a certain specific city in Morocco, which I didn't write down, unfortunately. The song is called Me Malay, which is part of the the uh, songs which are sung after the lighting of the menorah, and the performer is Gerald Eddery. And let's listen. <laughs> Bimei matit yahu Bein yohanan Mizei malel Nisei elit bonan Bimei matit yahu Bein yohanan Anochi esmach Asis Le 
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion of this week is the portion of Vayetze, can be found in Genesis 25 and following. And it is described Jacob's dream to his father-in-law and home of his wives in somewhere located in lower Mesopotamia and Padanaram, wherever that may be. And his trials, tribulations, the foibles, everything that happened over there with his eventual return towards the end. So let's look at this. Let's look at the scenario. Abraham lived in Israel, never left Israel once he got there, except for the little bit in Egypt. But his kids were born in Israel. One kid stayed with the program. The other one, jettisoned. Ishmael, gone. Not part of the program. Isaac, who was the one who stayed in the program, he never left Israel. His kids were raised in Israel. One of them stayed in the program, Jacob. The other one, gone. Asa, not part of the program at all. That's living in the Holy Land. Jacob has... 11 kids born outside of Israel. And all 11 of them stayed in the program. What's the deal? What was Jacob able to do that Abraham wasn't able to do? It's sort of like more of a a spiritual thing. There's even a verse that says that Jacob was the redeemer of Abraham. Because Abraham had a Yishmael and Jacob had, he says, it's mitase shloima. He had, all of his kids were, were his successors. Abraham, how did Abraham deal with evil? He jettisoned it. Get rid of it. This is not, this is not, I don't want nothing to do with it. And Goodbye. So Ishmael, who was not, we're not going to call him evil per se necessarily because he was Avram's kid, but was he holy? No. 
So in, according to Hasidic philosophy, things are either holy or they're not holy. So holy, he kept. Not holy, get rid of. Isaac was the same way. Holy, you keep. Not holy, get rid of. Trash, throw it away. Not necessarily he's calling his son Esav holy because we know that he really wanted to give Esav the bracha, etc. We did, you know, we discussed this in previews. Jacob didn't have that modus operandi. Jacob was, we'll get rid of the evil of, but keep the good. So whereas the Ishmael and Esav were jettisoned, Jacob was able to get rid of any bad character traits within the group, but keep the group. That was his difference. He was into like controlling, taking charge. So now we are the product of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we have to do the same thing. Jettisoning evil, okay, fine. If something is not holy and you look at it and you consider it that this is not holy and I don't want any part, fine. Jettison, get rid of it. But if there's something which you look at and say, well, this could be, we, we could make this a holy thing, then by all means, elevate it, use it for a holy purpose. Use it for somehow serving Hashem, for serving God, for making the world a better place, for making you a better person. And then you're emulating the prophet Jacob, the, the, the patriarch Jacob. And that's bottom line why we're all here. Speaking of all being here, if you'd like to get in touch with me, best way is to go to the, the website rabbifinman.com. And on the homepage is a contact us link. I have an aberration for websites where you got to look for the contact. It's maybe it's down at the bottom. Or it's like, you know, you go to the about us and then it's at the bottom of the about us page. And there's like, there's some, some websites, especially publishers where they don't want to get contacted where it's like three, four, five pages in before you finally get to the contact. So no, I'm, we're here for you. That's what, that's what the Jewish hour and Jewish Ferndale and all of the programs that we're running, we're here for you. So we make it easier. That's basically what I do for a living is make Judaism easy for people. So if you'd like to drop me a line, ask a question, whatever it happens to be, then rabbifinman.com is the way to go. You'll also find archived editions of the, of the show. Uh, you'll have uh, archived editions of classes that we run you can check out my Facebook page, by the way, which is facebook.com slash rabbi.finman. And there, so I post uh, the newer updated classes that are uh, videoed, live streaming, kept and stored on Facebook. And since they're willing to do that for me, then I don't have to do that at rabbifinman.com. just takes up a lot of space. And there's also the very important donations page. December is speedily coming to a close. And November's not paid yet. So it's getting towards the end of the year. You got to look and see, you know, tax deductions, these things, you know, charitable done, you know, the IRS is watching you. So you'll want to make sure that you're uh, 
you're giving your your at least your allotted amount of uh, tzedakah. And for sure, you know, keep on tithing. I, I strongly encourage it. And you'll be part, supporting programs like the Jewish Hour and Jewish Vrindal and the other things that we do under this massive umbrella organization that uh, we we uh, try to make the world an easier place for people. So RabbiFinman.com, make it a monthly donation. Don't like internet giving? No problem. Drop your donation in an envelope and mail it to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Do it today. Don't forget. The story involves the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe known as the Rebbe Rashab, Rabbi Shalom Bear. Rishab, Rabbi Shalom Bear, it's an abbreviation. He was traveling from point A to point B, wound up in point B, and they lost his luggage. Sounds familiar? I mean, (laughs) how many people have never, everybody who has never lost a bag, please raise your hand or had a bag lost. It's like, it's just normal. It's part of travel. When I came back from New York and they took my, uh, my carry-on because the plane was too full and they put a tag on it and they said, am I going to get it right back like at the door when I come out of the plane? No, nope. well, you're going to get it at luggage. It's like, I'm never going to see it ever again. That was my first thought that entered my head and it actually, it got to the carousel before I did. It was on rolling around. I was just like, yes! <sighs> there is humanity in the world. There is a God. So they lost his luggage. It's a train. You know, it's not, you know, it's not like it got shipped off to uh, Siberia and he's going to uh, to Moscow. It's like there's only the train only goes one way. It's only one track. They lost his luggage. And he was very concerned because that suitcase specifically happened to have all of the stuff that he was working on. It's like, of course, of all the suitcases, never mind, he didn't lose his pants that he had. He had his books and his papers, his writings, etc. He was very, uh, you know, was concerned he's going to have to get this suitcase back. And he went to, he sent a message a couple times, and uh, they looked, they didn't find, and it says, no, nope, they didn't, you know. So um, there was a, a young man, his name was Avram Elia Gurari. He married into a wealthy family. And the family, the father gave him, as a wedding present, 10,000 rubles, which is a lot of money, was a lot of money. And he invested it, not very wisely. And it was causing great consternation among the family, and especially his wife. His wife is looking at him, you took $10,000 and you turned it into what? He had 1,000 rubles left. And this is putting a great strain on the young couple's relationship so he went to the the Rebbe. As soon as he walked into the Rebbe's office, where the Rebbe was set up, the Rebbe said to him, Avram Elia, I lost my suitcase. Here's the ticket. Go to the station. Bring me back my suitcase. That was it. First thing. Didn't have a chance to open it. So he went to this to the train station, and there were no trains around, and there was nothing there. So he figured he's going to grab a cup of tea in the, uh, the train station cafeteria, like a kiosk, whatever, and he's sitting there, he's drinking his tea, and there's a guy looking at him. The guy says, what are you doing here? There's no trains. He says, the Rebbe sent me to get a suitcase. So uh, he takes a look at the thing, and he says, I'm the station manager. He calls over a guy, and he says, here, take this and go look for this suitcase. The guy comes back five minutes later, not there. 
the guy, the station manager goes livid, like these Russian livid stories, like livid. You bring me that suitcase now. Okay. Comes back 15 minutes later. The guy has the suitcase. What was the deal? It had been thrown into a corner, and there's some other stuff thrown on top of it, and nobody saw, but he cleared out the whole entire room with all the suitcases, and he found the suitcase. So thank you very much. So now this Avram Elia Gerarik brings the suitcase back to the rabbi. The rabbi says to him, okay, so what can I do for you? I have a, I have a debt to repay you. So he told him the whole story. So um, the rabbi told him that he should go to, oh, I forget the name of the city, I'm sorry, forget that detail, go to a certain city X, and he'll find some kind of business dealing there, okay? Um, so he goes to his wife, goes back home, goes to his wife, and his wife uh, tells her the deal, and this is what he has to do. He has to take the $1,000. He has to go to City X, and this is what the Rebbe said. So she said, fine. And she pa- packed him up a whole thing of provisions, which included some of this pound cake that this woman made, his wife. Okay? This is the key point of the story. Pound cake. Remember pound cake. So he goes now. He's traveling. He's walking around this City X, and he's sitting down. He sits down on a park bench. And he takes out some of the cake. And there's a guy sitting there staring at him. And he's, the guy says to him, would you like some of my pound cake? He says, yeah. He says, this is wonderful. This is awesome. He says, what are you doing in this town? He said, I don't know. He said, the rabbi sent me here. I have a 1,000 rubles. I need to buy something and invest in something. And I don't know. He says, come back tomorrow. I'll bring a guy. You bring the pound cake. He comes back. What does he do? is uh, he's got a load, a wagon load of of cigarette papers. We had this story with the Papa Rosen from before, this song that we played. So he uh, said, I'll sell you the way. He says, I'll sell it to you for uh, 1,000 rubles. He said, fine. Sells his salary. He says, what am I supposed to do with rolling papers? He says, there's all the cigarette factories are in Kremenchuk. Go to Kremenchuk and sell the papers there. You know, buy it for a nickel, sell it for a dime. Well, you know, you'll make money. So he takes the wagon load of stuff, travels to Kremenchuk, and, which is located many miles east of Gross Point Farms, and he comes across the first guy who happens to be uh, some sort of a relative. His name is Tzvi Gararia. This was Avram Elia Gerari. His relative is Tzvi Gararia, a little more, whatever. So he tells him, I got cigarette papers. He says, fine. He says, uh... I'll give you 2,500 rubles for it. He says, no, I want 10,000 rubles for it. He wants all the money back that he lost. The guy says, what are you talking about? You paid 1,000 for it. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not giving you that. So he's kind of looking around. There's other people. Now, in the meantime, this Figurari is saying, if they got in City X, they have cigarette papers for 1,000 rubles, I'll go over there. So he goes, he finds the broker. And the broker said, I did him a favor. I sold it to him for le- for my cost. And I got news for you. That was the last sh- the last order of cigarette papers. There are no more cigarette papers. They're not going to happen for months. So he immediately sends a telegram to Avram Elia. Do not sell. I will buy. So he runs back. He pays him the 10000 bucks, And now Avram Elia goes back to the Rebbe Rashab and says, okay, thank you very much. I have my 10,000 rubles. How am I supposed to invest this now so it doesn't happen again? 
Sir Vershov smiled at him and said, I already paid you my bet, my debt for finding my suitcase. Thank you very much. And that's how the story ends. We have no idea how what happened after that. But hopefully they lived happily ever after. And I hope you do, too. That's going to do it for us. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you back again next week. Take care. 